Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Frosty gets a podium in Brazil as the series starts to change its rules and Nick Perkett unveils his new livery ahead of the Tassie V8 debut. Hopefully everyone sees it coming and going past them and it will be a good weekend for us. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Here is the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. Mark Winterbottom finished his weekend at Interlagos with a podium, the FBR driver getting his first overseas opportunity in the Brazilian Stock Car Series. Driving a Peugeot with Sergio Jimenez. The pair crossed the line in fourth place but were elevated by the stewards to third following a breach of the driver rules by the then third place car. V8 Supercars have announced changes to the practice sessions in 2014 events. Outside of the Pertec Enduro Cup meetings, they will now only have three Friday practice sessions of 20 minutes each. Simmons Plains, Barbagello, Hidden Valley and Phillip Island had each previously been supposed to have two 60-minute sessions, whilst Winton, Ipswich and Sydney Motorsport Park were going to have 75-minute, then a 60-minute session, with the first session open to the endurance co-drivers. Saturday qualifying for the four events, uh, Simmons Plains, Barbagello, Hidden Valley and Phillip Island will now only have a 10-minute break between the two. Also, there has been a change to the restart procedures from Tazion. These include increasing the speed limit when the cars form for a restart. It'll move from 50 to 60 kilometres per hour to 60 to 80 kilometres per hour. Cars are not permitted to overtake before the control or start-finish line. The acceleration zone being lengthened and the lead driver will determine the restart. No longer will the green flag wave from the starter's box. Scott McLaughlin and Robert Dahlgren have been having a bit of fun in the snow in Sweden. They were there meeting officials from Volvo who had not been to Australia yet to see the V8 supercar program, but had time to do some promotional videos along with getting the S60 out onto the ice and, of course, jumping on a few snowmobiles along the way. They made a video and it'll be seen this week on Seven's V8 Extra. You've been there, I've been here for an hour. Just been out there. Were you scared? Here we think it's scared, mate. Were you lost? <laughs> Swiss doesn't get lost. Rick Kelly has talked about his recent trip to, to promote this weekend's event, where he got a new perspective on the Apple Isle. Yeah, look, Simmons for us um, is an exciting round. I, I love Tassie. Obviously, you got the chance 
earlier to, to shoot across there and have a go on the, the treetop tree zip lines and have a bit of a look around. It, it's a very, um, you know, exciting place for me from um, an adventure point of view. did the Mark Webber Challenge down there and, and quite enjoyed it. And generally, I've have only had the chance to go from the airport to the track into the motel, so it was good to have a bit of a look around. But from a racing point of view, it was one of the tougher rounds that we had last year with a, a straight line issue. So I'm quite excited to actually head back there this year and see what we can achieve now that we've made significant gains in, in that area. We've come off the back of Clipsal, which was a fantastic championship opening round for us. Nick Perkett has unveiled his new HHA livery. He thinks the car not only will be fast, but will look fast as well. The car looked great on track. It's um, The silver's going to really stand out, and um, I think, um, you know, Hopefully everyone sees it coming and going past them and it will be a good weekend for us. Percat will be going to Tassie for the first time in a V8 supercar, but changes to the practice rules will make his track time at a premium. Yeah, I've been there in the Formula Ford 2009 and had a lot of success there, so it's a track I, I enjoy. I like the fact it's a short track and you have to get every corner perfect, otherwise you don't, you know, you don't qualify where you want to. So for me, you know, Friday, the three 20-minute sessions, just got to make sure I can really get my head around the track as quick as possible and then the main series is a, a lot bigger step up than people kind of imagine the the intensity of the racing it's like you're racing for the the championship every single lap of the race and it's kind of like we're doing we're at Homebush every round on the last lap battling for that that win so it's uh... this week we'll continue to have a look at tire banks on the white flag lap when Lockwood Racing's Phil Keeg talks to us you know you're always trying to trying to do things that you, you wouldn't normally do like turn the tires around on the rims and V8 supercars have launched their promotional slogan for 2014 that's how we roll it started with a series of ads featuring the sport's most popular drivers I drive the car but the fans drive me I'm not here to make friends. I'm going to be laughing all the way to the podium. That's how I roll. That's how I roll. That's how I roll. Finally, V8X magazine is on sale now. Find out what new commonalist Gary Rogers has been expecting from his Volvo team and what happened to the tracks that the V8 calendar forgot. It's on sale in stores now, online, and check out the great new V8X app at v8x.com.au. On this week's Roundtable, Mark Fogarty and Gordon Lomas will preview Tassie. That's the news on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by No Brack Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at www.nobrack.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Auto Action and Fairfax Media, it's Mark Fogarty. Good evening, folks. Good evening, Craig, and hi there, Gordo. Yes, Gordon Lomas also joining us. I should mention who Gordo is first. Good evening, Gordo from Speed Cafe. 
How are you going, Craig? I haven't seen or heard you from a thousand years. Well, we've uh, fixed that problem right now. Well, actually, it was only at Clipsal we were talking. Well, it seems like a thousand years, the amount of stuff that's gone down since then, Craig. <laughs> well, look, I've named this topic Policy on the Run. And uh, if it was a government that went out and rechanged all their brand new procedures for starting races, one event into its uh, term, you know, it'd be chaos here in Canberra. Do you think it's the same chaos, Gordon, in uh, Queensland where they make these decisions? Yeah, look, I, I don't know whether it's a matter of chaos or not, but uh, um, I'll, I'll give credit where it's due first, and, uh, and that is that uh, they, they've immediately seen the need to change and modify uh, the start procedures, uh, and that is increase the, the um, AZ zone and, and increase the, indeed the, the uh, speed that the leader dictates. Um, uh, however... Having seen the incident, and we all saw it in Adelaide, um, you've got to ask why they changed these things when the uh, car wasn't broken in the first place. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, you kind of you kind of wonder why. Um, and speaking to, you know, team team owners and. And, and team people and, and drivers indeed, um, they all say that, you know, they, they want these things to happen. It's entertainment. They want these carambolages, if you like, to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think that they need to go to this extent, particularly on circuits where if you're out by a millimetre, you're going to have these things that happen to Jason Bright. Um, you know, the, the chances of that being an absolute catastrophe were ve a very, very fine line. Fogues, uh, firstly about policy on the run. Are you comfortable with it? Not really. The problem is the drivers. It all gets back to them. I mean, they, you know, four into three or three into two just doesn't go. And the problems we had at the Clipsal 500 were all, all about the fact that you know, in the pandemonium of the restart, the cars, within a nanosecond, all fan out. You know, they're like, well, it seemed like they were five wide, maybe six wide down the straight. And then, of course, they get to the first turn and eventually something's got to give. And um, when you've got a couple of aggressive guys, you know, prodding and poking, someone's going to get tipped over. And that was Jason Bright. So, I mean, the responsibility in all this, to me, goes back to the drivers. And it's all very well to be changing the restart system and some of the changes they've introduced are probably sensible, particularly um, increasing the speed in the acceleration zone. But, you know, honestly, these are professional drivers. You know, why can't they police themselves and, and be responsible? I, I think that's where the real problem is. And unfortunately, you can't legislate against stupidity. Well, that is the... Uh an interesting take on it, but it, it, as you said, there are team owners involved in the commission and the board. Surely someone at some stage would have said that 60 Ks is in the middle of two gear ratios. We need to go to, you know, one side or the other of that, Gordo. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that, that's exactly right. You know, you're, you're scrabbling for traction at that speed um, in no particular gear, um, not, not committed to a particular gear. It's 
yeah, I, I just, um, I, I don't understand. I don't think it. It seems like a lot of thought wasn't put into it, obviously, uh, beforehand. So, um, you know, the result uh, is what we had in Adelaide, um, and albeit. You know, the onus is on the drivers. When you've got 25 um, of the biggest egos in the business uh, sharing the same amount of real estate, it's, uh, something's got to get... How many times do we have to fine-tune these rules? We, this has been going on for some years now of trying to get this rolling restart after safety cars deal working properly. You know, we've tried many different variations and... The double file restart, which you know, if you're going to look for spectacle, is the one. And we've, you know, we've gone backwards and forwards on that. You know, it was used at the Australian Grand Prix, and oddly enough, seemed to work fine there. And then we, you know, back to this new heavily revised system. I, I just wish we would lock in and 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 get it right. Mm, but of yes. course, they think they've but, got it right, don't they, Gordo? They, and they then Adelaide do. happened. They do, and that's a fair point from folks. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, how many times have you got to fiddle with stuff um, for the sake of fiddling with it? Um, and I, I was going to say, and it's probably ill-timed, but New Zealand have had uh, do the restart, the rolling restarts quite well. Um, however, they did have a drama there on the weekend in the in the middle heat at Pukekohe when you know there was all pandemonium. Um, in the in uh, in race two, uh, but uh, but generally speaking, the Kiwis do those sort of things quite well. And and why can't we get it right? Mm. Well, another of the policy on the runs was for years and years we've been hearing how well we've got to have Friday. The promoters need Friday, and they need V8 supercars on the track. And at the beginning of this year, we heard about all this track time they're going to have on Friday. We get to event two, and uh, it turns out that we're only going to have 40 minutes for the majority of races this year. Fogues, is this a case of they need to cut costs, or is it that Nissan, Volvo, Erebus are getting their act together and the old school doesn't like it, and so they want to try and uh, slow them down a bit? I'm at a loss for words. No, that's not true. Never happened. I don't understand this reduction in the practice time on Friday. It's been cast in the guise of cost saving and I just can't see it you know we're not we're not talking about a huge number of kilometers we're not talking about huge amount of wear and tear you know we're talking you know tires well they're running on used tires anyway so how much are we saving and you know I've been talking to people you know team owners and others in the sport and you know it seems to be a consensus that this new reduced Friday practice regime will save about a thousand kilometres over the whole season. Well, really, is it worth it for the yes, reduced I, track time? Yes, I, I heard somewhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred k's. I mean, that's just absolutely ludicrous. Um, and in the meantime, the paying punter who actually gets there and and wants to see a lot of track running on a Friday, they get ripped off. I mean, there's two. They get robbed. They, they uh, in Tasmania, as I'm led to believe. I saw the event schedule uh, just before uh, doing the show, and uh, there's there's two one-hour practice sessions on Friday. They've they've slashed it, you know, down from what it was to two one-hour sessions. There's three 20-minute practice sessions at Winter next week. Yeah, no, uh, and, it, and, and it doesn't and make sense. Order, you're right. All for and, what? Yeah, well. 
they'll save a few old tyres. Oh, they'll use less fuel. Mm. The fuel's given to them by United. Didn't you remember when James Warburton was saying what a Ah. fantastic sponsorship package that was? Interesting. Yeah, I thought that. But I found out in the course of discussion about this, the teams actually pay for fuel. I was sure. I'm going to go back through the uh, no, the no. I'm told now. by a team owner that they actually pay for their fuel. They get um, allocated four forty-four gallon. Oh, how many? And how, yeah. I don't know, how many is that liters is that? Anyway, four forty-four gallons of, uh, of um, drums of fuel for each meeting, and the teams have to pay for that. Well, like tyres and the hockers, it comes out of their end-of-year distribution, so, you know, they don't actually shell out any money, but it comes off their profit at the end of the year, which at the moment is nothing. So um, the only thing that the teams get covered for, as I say, is eventually the cost of tyres, the cost of fuel, and the the hawkers, which are the catering tents that they have at each of the... uh, the event. So, no, I'm scratching my head over this one. I'm not really sure. And longer term, it seems to have a repercussion in that next year when essentially Fox Sports takes over as the prime telecaster of V8s. They've committed to covering every practice session, every qualifying session and all the racing. Well, <laughs> suddenly, essentially, their Friday coverage has been cut in half. What are they going to do? Sit there whistling Dixie or twiddling their thumbs? Well, that'll depend on who they announce as their commentary team. And they got a brand-new set of tyres to say you have to have this brand-new set and you've got to give them back to Dunlop if uh, no matter what condition they're in at the end of the practice session. Well, I guess it means now that you've got more reason to use them in the shorter space of time, but at the end of the day, it's not going to affect the tyre banks uh, that much because they were running on crap anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't think so. Wouldn't think it'd um, have much effect at all. Um, but uh, depending on who you speak to, uh, it's it's either in the interests of of uh, cost cutting or entertainment or a combination of both. But uh, you know, somewhere along the line, uh, these decisions that are being made now. Uh, leave a lot to be desired. But the other thing, uh, Gordo, when you speak to team owners like I do and folks does, we get the situation where we say, well, why not just get rid of the Friday? We had that uh, Eastern Creek event, which everyone raved about. Oh, sorry, Sydney Motorsport Park event that everyone raved about when it was only two days. And they turn around and say, well, there's not really a saving. We would still be coming down three days before the meeting anyway. But... Surely, if you just don't even turn up for a day, that's got to be cheaper than uh, going out for two forty minute, two twenty minute sessions. You would think so. I mean, I I don't know what the actual team logistics are. I, you know, I've never organised a, a team of sixty odd people before. But uh, but if you, you depending on who you speak to, uh, they 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 generally say that uh, there's not much to be gained. Um, you know, cost saving wise, in in turning up a, a day less, if if you like, they've you know they've they've all got to spend the same sort of money. Um, the the only thing is that uh, it, it's the track running, um, you know, uh, the wear and tear on car and and what have you. There may be a saving to be gained there, but uh, you can't exactly turn up to Bathurst. Um, on a Friday night and, and roll the cars out of the truck on Saturday and do a thousand k race on Sunday. 30 years ago, you could, Gordo. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. Hey, hey, oi, oi. Hey, what happened? Sorry, am I not allowed to have a say on this? Um, all right, yeah. we will delay the break, hold the break. We're going to hear, <laughs> folks, what's your point? Yeah, make up 
your mind. These V8 supercar events, the regular events, they're either three-day events or they are two-day events. Make a decision. What I'm getting at is make Friday meaningful. You know, we've had this nonsense for years now where Friday means nothing. And I don't... You can't sell this to the public. You certainly can't sell it to the mainstream media. There has to be something on the line on Friday. So there has to be, like in the old days of everything, including Formula One and V8 Supercars and Australian Touring Car Championship, Friday was provisional poll. It meant something. It was on the line because if things go skew-whiff on Saturday in normal qualifying, Friday's times, you know, decided the grid. So, you know, there's... So running on Friday, at the end of it all, there's something up for grabs. There's a prize. And, you know, it's a much easier sell to me, a much more obvious sell, if at the end of the day, and I mean literally the end of the day, you know, after all the practice you have a provisional qualifying session, you set the provisional grid. And then everyone can see that the drivers are going for it because, you know, it could stand them in good stead if the weather goes pear-shaped the following day and the media have something substantial to report on at the moment we've got diddly mm, yes it does question the value of even the meter being there on the friday but we need to take a break we'll take that and come back with more in just a few moments controversy corner is next when we return with more on the v8 insiders find out more about your favorite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the v8 insiders You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, and uh, we've been having an interesting chat about the, uh, well, the changes, the policy on the run, as I called it, but I want to know if you think it might lead into this next thing. The cost of the V8 supercar, new generation V8 supercar, isn't coming down with the more you build. Folks, is this changes to even trying to save a 1000 laps of track time or a thousand you know kilometers kilometers track time is that just another indication that the new generation car isn't the cheap way of going about this racing it would seem the whole cost saving well that's certainly a furphy cost containment is still debatable it would seem that selling point for the car of the future now the new generation va supercar um, is highly debatable, and I would question whether the costs are coming down. They're supposed to, you know, the more cost amortisation, the more that's built, the cheaper they should get, but I'm not hearing that. Mm. What about you, Gordon? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I obviously don't know the full ins and outs of, uh, of, of what the costs are, but um, you would think, you know, economies of scale and all, all that sort of thing. Um, you know, the more the more cars on the, you know, more cars a, a car company's got on the road, the you know the cheaper things are to, to repair and and service and all that sort of stuff. So the same should be applied to uh, to the, the the current V8 supercar. 
So, you know, uh, if if all is, is right in the world, the costs should be coming down. Is there any evidence of this? I don't think so. No, it's uh, it's funny when you're speaking to team owners, they're, they're not saying how much easier it is to make these new cars and how much more they've got in the bank balance, but... Uh, uh, obviously for Brad Jones, who's on the board and has been involved in this series for a long, long time, having two major rebuilds to do at the first two events of the year, one, it obviously holds back your work on getting the cars and keeping the cars at the front, but two, it takes a big, big chunk out of your checkbook early. Yeah, well, it does. And I mean, uh, you know, the the, uh, the damage to, to Brighton and, and Wood's car um, more recently at the Grand Prix, um, has, uh, you know, it, it has a knock-on effect, uh, whether it be, you know, the team based in Albury or whether it be, you know, Triple Eight up in Brisbane. It, it doesn't matter. It, it, you know, that kind of impact has a, you know, uh, has, has a flow-on effect within your organisation. And, uh, and, and, you know, Brad Jones has got some development parts coming on the car on the cars at the moment that I know of and and you know those things uh, were supposed to be rolled out at Tasmania this weekend um, however you know they've been delayed uh, because of because of all the, re- the repair work that's been going on uh, up at BJR in Albury. Mm-hmm. And folks it, 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 that's one example but right throughout the grid you have examples of where they're spending more and more money on things that were supposed to be you know, one supplier, the only part you can put in the car, and that's uh, going to be the price it is. I believe so. I'm, I'm happy to be to stand corrected, but my impression is that the cost savings or the cost minimisation is not coming as quickly as was envisaged. I mean, the new generation cars, I think we have to accept, are essentially better cars. We had to move the technology on um, in certain aspects. Um, they are superior in terms of um, most aspects of safety. There's still some question marks over um, the, the side intrusion. And, you know, we had the, the issue with James Courtney's big shunt or being punted by Alex Pramar at Phillip Island last year and with, um, I understand, you know, two of the side brace bars breaking um, and we still don't know if officials have addressed that and, and looked into, um, you know, whether there was a problem or, or is a freak. But essentially, but overall, we believe the cars are safer, and in some aspects, they're easier to repair and to maintain. In, in other aspects, they're inferior to the old cars. You know, particularly in rear end shunts, it's just it's a massive rebuild. So, my view is that overall. The step forward had to be made, and in the long term, it's a good thing. But as I said, the, the notion that these cars are, are cheaper—well, that's just complete nonsense. And and the whole idea of even cost containment—you know—still, it's, it's my clear understanding that these cars are more expensive to build than the old cars were. Mm. Then, folks, if we're still talking about the economic situation around us is very tight. We've got uh, cars that teams aren't all over yet. Is it the right time to be talking about returning overseas? And if we're talking about going overseas and we're talking about up to six new racing developments being on the plans for the next four years, that's greenfield motor racing sites around Australia, of which Talon Bend, of course, has been uh, announced, 
are we going to have races overseas, less races in Australia? Are we going to have older tracks just being thrown by the wayside and uh, and these new tracks becoming the flavour of the day? It, crystal ball it for me, or maybe you actually know the answer. <laughs> well, dream on. I mean, more events overseas, and I'm talking about more events further fl- flung than, you know, Asia is a pipe dream, I'm afraid. I, You know, the, the, the fact that V8 still maintain we're going back to Texas, to the Circuit of Americas, I, I just, it just doesn't make sense in my head, even if you twin it with another American event. The, the, the cost, taking the cars there and the sanction fee is, you know, is just extraordinary. It's millions of dollars in the case of Circuit of the Americas, so how they ever expected to make money, I'm not sure. Um, so... Really, I can't see more overseas events. The local, you know, the fans here, the, the the main constituency, don't like it. Hear that? Do not like it. So we need to shore up events in Australasia, which includes New Zealand, and I think there's scope somewhere for a second event in New Zealand because V8 Supercars is very popular over there. Then we should look, you know, to our near neighbours, Singapore is an obvious one, and in events, you know, in that sort of Southeast Asian region, that makes sense. Um, but to go further afield, um, it's just going to lose the promoters a lot of money because not one of them yet's made money. That's a fact. Um, and as Alan Gow, the promoter of the British Touring Car Championship, and who's also the chairman of the MSA, which is the British equivalent of CAMS, and also the president of the FIA Touring Car Commission, um, said recently um, <clears throat> in a story on Speed Cafe, as it as it was, um, you know, so many series in the past have fallen, well, have fallen on hard times simply because their eyes were too big for their stomachs and they had international aspirations and it just ended in grief, ended in tears all the time. So, you know... It's very laudable in some ways that James Warburton, the chief executive of V8 Supercars, would aspire to sell the brand um, on a wider scale internationally. But the reality is that we really should dig in in our own backyard, and I include New Zealand in that, consolidate, and then have a look at you know some selected events um, in near regions. And Singapore has got to be you know one. Um, we almost got there, very close to getting there a few years ago. But that's a natural one, and then a, a few other areas around there. But that's it. You know, it is an Australian championship or an Australasian championship, and that's the beginning and the end of it. Gordo? Yeah, look, um, I, I remember not so long back that um, V8 Supercar said, right, that's it, put the shutters up, no more overseas races, no more overseas expansion. And then what happens five minutes later... Oh, you know, it's back on again. Let's go overseas. Let's go to North America. Let's twin races in, in the US or, or North America. I couldn't work out whether they're, they're going to North America or going to the US. You know, it's, uh, we couldn't quite pin that exact location down um, because North America could mean Canada. It could mean Mexico. Um, you know, the US is obviously totally different. It's, it's in there, but... We couldn't quite work out from V8 Supercars where they were actually heading. But, look, I don't think so. I think, we've, you know, corporately the, the whole sport has um, had a massive scare in recent seasons. And until we get our own backyard in order, um, 
overseas should not even remotely be considered. Mm. Well, we've got one race this weekend. It's not overseas, but it's over a straight. Who's going to win, Gordo, in Tassie? Well, uh, one word, and unfortunately, it's Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> when I say it's Swedish, uh, that's uh, it's a good thing for the sport. It's actually it's, it's a great thing. But you, you know, I mean that that thing's got so much uh, so much grip, so much uh, top line speed that you know, at a place like Simmons Plains, how are they going to beat the thirty three of? of Scotty McLaughlin and uh, and you'll probably find Dahlgren uh, you know pushing up into the top 10 as well mm, folks oh yeah I mean Simmons Plains is basically two drag strips joined by you know a couple of corners so on what we've seen in Adelaide and again at the Grand Prix um, Scott McLaughlin particularly in the in his Volvo S60 is just going to run away you know just has to keep his head and the thing's going to disappear in the distance and that's good for the sport as Gordo mentioned at the moment there's a lot of talk about V8 supercars because Volvo the most unlikely brand probably of them all is doing good business um, and they're actually promoting it Um, longer term not so sure there's a lot of disquiet in the paddock people are not happy at all and a lot of agitating going on to to rebalance the field because um, I, I, I don't believe at all that Gary Rogers Motorsport or Volvo are doing anything untoward. They're just taking advantage of the rules they are, but they've found a seat, a sweet spot aerodynamically. Um, their engine, they've, they've, Polestar have developed it to a, a remarkable early degree. Um, I don't think anyone foresaw that. And then you add just the sheer talent. Um, of Scott McLaughlin, and um, it's now the combination to beat. Yeah, it certainly has been uh, an enjoyable start to the year to see just how Volvo, and and to a lesser extent how Erebus have bounced back, and also how uh, Nissan are developing. It's It's been a good story. Of course, uh, Gordo... Won't last. I mean, there's going to be a rebalance. <laughs> well, really. Uh, of course, Gordo, then we've what we've been hearing is all the talk from the Ford teams going... Our cars need to be rehomologated. They're they're you know not up to scratch. Our cars are too old. Now, uh, I would argue that your cars a year old. It got rehomologated when they all did. Yeah, that's that's so true. Um, I mean, uh, isn't it funny how uh, to go back to the nineties when parity was almost a daily debate? It was. You know, uh, the, the the Commodore's got so much more front end grip than the Falcon, and and it just went on and on and on until eternity. And then all of a sudden, V8 Supercars brand kicked in in '97, and and it took a few years to stabilise. Absolutely nothing about parity for years and years and years. And all of a sudden, Car of the Future comes in, parity's back in the headlines. Funny that. Well, it's good for us because it's going to make for a very interesting. Probably two months ahead, and particularly on this show, we'll be looking Ooh-hoo forward to the debate. for the Ford teams. Yes. I, I yeah, really. <laughs> the car's the same as it was last year. It was competitive last year. It's not competitive now. What conclusion do you draw from that? Not competitive. I'm saying again, I'm, I'm just taking, taking out the Volvo, which is a bit of a freak at the moment, and even Nissan, who've made gains, but you would expect that because they've redid their aerodynamic package. I don't think they've gained anything engine-wise, but, you know, just Falcon against Commodore, 
nothing's changed except Falcons have gone backwards. So where would I be looking? Hmm. Mm. Yes. We'll be... I would be looking, I'll spell it out, <laughs> I would be looking at who and how they run, who runs them and how they run. Just in case you weren't following. Yeah. I thought it was as clear as day, but I'm glad you oh. just made sure I wasn't on the wrong well, I'm nothing if not obvious. Well, that is why you are the two-time V8, V8 Media Association Journalist of the Year <laughs> really? and a life oh, member. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. the, white remind me. the white flag lap is up next on the show. Thanks very much to Mark Fogarty. Thank you, Craig. And to Gordon Lomas. No problem, Craig. Cheers. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, brought to you by Munro Shock Absorbers, we speak with Phil Keed from Lockwood Racing and find out how teams manage their tyre banks. Oh, yeah, look, Craig, it's pretty difficult because the, um, you know, obviously we, we've only got so many tyres that we, we can use um, last year, but especially being the first year of the, the category with the 18-inch rims, we've got even fewer than normal. So, um, you know, you're always trying to, trying to do things that you, you wouldn't normally do, like turn the tyres around on the rims and... You know, I, I guess in, in terms of quality, the biggest thing we do is look at the look at the depths, um, try and incorporate a little bit of the history, such as the the kilometres and the number of heat cycles they've done. But most of the time, the depths is what we go for. Is there a big quality difference between a tyre that's done five heat cycles to a tyre that's done four or even three? We, you know, to be honest, we, we usually try not to go beyond about three heat, you know, sort of, not heat cycles, but three three different um, outings. You know, we wouldn't relabel a tyre more than about three times. So, you know, by then we're starting to feel like it's it's probably degraded, but it's quite difficult to categorise. I think the biggest thing's probably the type of surface at the track it was first used. It seems to have the biggest bearing. So, you know, cer- certain track surfaces really grain the tyres up and once they've got that, that uh, characteristic on them, even if they've got really good depths, they can sometimes really struggle on any surface after that. So. A normal radial tyre will get a memory in it. And, uh, you know, if you're driving your car around, if you've got too much toe out on it for 1,000 k's, you get it fixed, it might not be a problem. You go 1,100 k's and it never stops wearing the inside, even if you do fix that toe-out problem. Is that something you regularly see on, on these V8 tyres, on the 18-inch? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the nature of these tyres and the cambers that everybody runs, um, you see incredibly uneven wear, you know, huge tapered wear. But quite often that's when the, our tyres are working at their best. It's just that then when you go to a different track or you try and use that tyre to go a different direction, it's a big problem. So we'll, we'll spin them or whatever to try and get the, the, the most meat in the tyre on, on the bit of the, the tyre that's working but these are all the problems when you, you have to reuse them turning a different direction So, Of course V8's this year decided that they wanted you to use all your tyres 
and you have to give a full set of tyres back to V8 Supercars at the end of the uh, Friday practices. How do you see that that change? Well, yeah, I think I think what what they're trying to do is make sure that um, everybody had a, a a representative green tyre hit at the end of practice on a given practice day so i think it's going to help the team owners and everyone understand where everybody is whereas i guess the people that the drivers or the engineers probably knew where they were and you know factoring in the quality of tire so it's going to make a difference for that um the, the net tire bank is about the same um it's just that we we, we have one less to use at, at the round each each time so it's going to make the races a little bit tougher but practicing for the next round is going to be better because we've got better tires tyre we saw guys going out with wet weather tyres for formation and warm-up will we see that again this year no well they, they you know they've brought in a um a rule where, where every team every car can have a set of warm-up tyres as they call them so that it's you know there was almost a lottery everyone brought in a set and they got distributed around so they're, they're pretty ratty tyres and uh we'll, we'll be going out on those to warm up the brakes at the start of quali do you think that um, the allocations now are about right for each race, or do you never have enough green tyres? Uh, look, uh, they're enough, but I, th- I think there, there's certainly times where you could have slightly better quality of racing or strategy if there were a few more tyres. I think if there were more tyres available at some of the multi-race rounds, you might see people coming in for a fresh set of tyres at a late safety car or that you know there's there's certain opportunities that you can't uh, exploit at the moment if you're down the back or whatever but yeah it's 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 enough thanks very much for your time no worries <laughs> that's all we have time for on this week's show as the checker flag waves over another edition of the v8 insiders till next time round keep smiling and bye for now join us next week for more v8 insiders only on v8x.com.au